0: Welcome to episode number 91 of the MR Running Pays podcast. My name is Aaron Saft. I am your host, and this week's guest is Miriam Saloom of the Runner's Mechanic Physical Therapy. Miriam has been on this podcast multiple times. She is my most frequent guest. Uh, She shares uh, so much knowledge, and is so knowledgeable. So uh, today, I brought Miriam on to talk about cadence and how cadence can help our running Um, what we should be looking for in our cadence, and uh, how to get there. So uh, stay tuned here for my conversation with Miriam. I'll catch up with you guys at the end on everything MR Running Pains, and enjoy the show. Our most popular guest is back on the podcast. (laughs) Miriam Saluma, how are you today?
1: (laughs) Hey, I'm good, Aaron. How are you doing?
0: Great. I just wanted to take a a moment while we're recording to congratulate uh, Miriam on her shut-in finish is such a, a tough race. And, and she did great. I all the pictures I see, of course, uh, she's smiling and happy, <laughs> which is hard to do on the shut-in course. So congrats to you on that finish. That's tremendous.
1: Oh, thanks, Aaron. It was a, it was a great day.
0: <laughs> um, I'm sure most people that listen to this podcast know you and what you do, but if you want to just take a, a moment and, uh, and talk about yourself and, and your profession, what you do, where you're from, all that good stuff.
1: <laughs> sure, of course. Uh, my name is Miriam Salome. Um, I own the Runner's Mechanic Physical Therapy Clinic here in Asheville, North Carolina. Um, you know, here at the clinic, uh, I focus on all kinds of orthopedic injuries, but mainly I do a, a running and gait analysis for runners to help them maximize their efficiency and help them treat injuries. So, um, I just help patch people up and get them back out there and to enjoy their, enjoy their lives. <laughs> awesome.
0: Awesome. So, Perfect. Yeah. And and that kind of goes along obviously with, with our topic today. Um, we were decided to talk about cadence, um, which is a conversation I often have with, with my runners, um, you know, working on cadence. So, Um, why don't you just start by just giving us a a brief definition of what we're talking about when we talk about cadence?
1: (laughs) Sure, sure. And I think this is a great topic because cadence is definitely a buzzword. I think that most, you know, recreational runners even here, and it's, I think it's important to know um, when you start uh, talking about cadence and fooling around with cadence, why you're doing it and, and what the purpose of it is. So all cadence is, and the basic definition is the number of times that your feet hit the ground within a minute. So how many times the right and left foot hit the ground within a minute of running? And that is the basic definition of cadence.
0: And why is that important? Why is cadence important to a runner?
1: Yeah. And so this was basically, a, um, I think, Heiderscheid, Brian Heiderscheid's a researcher in PT, and he had a, a groundbreaking study um, a couple years ago, which he was able to take cadence and manipulate it, either increase people's cadence or decrease people's cadence and show all the different effects it had on somebody's um, performance. Um, whether they were overstriding, whether they were spending too much energy going up or going down. Um, So we call that bounciness or vertical displacement. Um, So it was a really great study. And so cadence became one of those things that uh, we can manipulate a little bit if we need to get more efficiency out of a system or if we need to correct some other movement issues. So um, that's why cadence became kind of a, um, you know, a, a buzzword or, you know, kind of this myth of this 180 steps per minute cadence. Um, and we'll talk about that a little bit, um, how that, you know, is, is not purely true, but we have kind of this idea of 180 steps per minute as an efficient cadence. Um, and we'll notice that too, with some elite runners too, and we're looking at, um, different races, they'll be in that kind of zone. So.
0: Right. Which, Oh, if you want to, Talk about the 180 for a second. Um, you know, um, where did this 180 come from? Um, what you know, we pulled this magic number out of the out of the air. <laughs> what where, where did uh, where did all of a sudden 180 you know become the uh, the uh, the goal?
1: Yeah, I mean, there definitely was um, historically, you know, back with Jack Daniels in the 80s, they were noticing they're counting, uh, you know, elite runners, their, their steps per minute as they would go through their races. And he was he was coming up with, you know, kind of in the 180s, you know, this kind of this running cadence. And so obviously, when you're starting to glean that kind of number from from runners that do very well, it seems that that might be a very efficient cadence. Um, and since that time, um, there's been a couple of different studies. Uh, one actually I thought was very interesting was mo- uh, a biomechanist, his last name is Cram. Um, and they were just looking at it from a tendon perspective. You know, How, how does this make sense with the tendon perspective? And, and they looked at the physiology of tendons and they actually found there was a little bit of research that the Achilles tendon actually has its own frequency um, that, that kind of hovered around the 180 mark. Um, so that was a really interesting study just from a physiological standpoint. Um, And then they went on to study uh, runners and elites and, and say, you know, how does this 180 steps per minute, how does this really sift out? Um, And you do find that most runners with a lot of experience, um, sub elite or elite have uh, a cadence around that or turnover around that number of 180, but it does not mean 180 steps per minute is what makes a good runner or if a runner can be inefficient without having 180 steps per minute. So, um we'll talk about that a little bit too but that's kind of where i think historically that 180 steps per minute came from
0: right on <clears throat> so um you know we you're just saying that 180 um you know is this this kind of mythical number if you will um what's a what's a good range if we were to say like an optical uh, you know an optimal range for for cadence cuz not everybody's going to hit 180 Um, and I, am sure there's factors that contributed to it and we can, we can kind of talk about those too, but what would you say that that range could be?
1: Yeah. Um, so in the clinic, I mean, I see, I mean, day in and day out runners that come in with either the issues of specific issues of either injury or for whatever reason, their performance is not matching their training. Um, So they're they're noticing there's a hiccup in the system. And so I have to use cadence as, you know, is this this something that's an issue and is this something that we can use? Um, Sometimes it isn't. Um, So when we start looking at it in in that regards, um, there's some good studies that runners that have a cadence, if they're hitting somewhere in the mid 170s, um, so and the way I kind of explain this, when I have a client come in is to think about like a bell curve and at the top of that bell curve, we have this theoretical 180 steps per minute. Um, and I never, I tell them, I never expecting one to be at 180. It's, it's totally fine. Um, but we start to look down the slope of runners that are in the 170s, 160s, 150s and 140s. Um, my, my um, alert system for looking at cadence does not really peak when someone's in the 170s and sometimes not even when they're in the high 160s. If I see something else going on that's much more glaring than a cadence issue, I will choose that issue if they're already in the high 160s or mid 170s. And there are good studies that um, within a group of runners, uh, runners that tend to be in that mid 170s actually tend to have a lot less injury. So we do know that that's a pretty healthy cadence also. Um, And then sometimes I have runners that come in here and they naturally, without any kind of cadence training or even knowing what cadence is, they might be in the high one eighties, the one nineties. So everyone's wired very differently. Um, But cadence is one thing that if I see some issues going on during the video analysis and I know that their cadence is a little bit sluggish, let's say in the one forties or the one fifties or somewhere where it's really kind of outside those parameters. Um, I can use that. And we can talk about what, what changes when we change our cadence. I can use that as a, as a means to an end, I can use cadence manipulation to change the way that they move. Um, and it's very easy. And that's the great thing about cadence is it's so easy to retrain. Um, so that's, that's the the thing there. So I usually don't mess with somebody, especially if they're in the, in the mid one seventies, even.
0: Okay. Mm-hmm. And <clears throat> is that the uh, the same cadence? Let's say, I go out yesterday. I went out for just a recovery jog. And I mean, I was just kind of shuffling along, you know, it, it wasn't, wasn't really, I wasn't trying to push the pace. I was really just trying to be conservative to keep my heart rate low. And should I be focused on cadence in, in that run as well? Like, is there a certain, you know, do I, should I be maintaining that, you know, 175 ish to 180 cadence in, in those runs as well?
1: Yeah, so, um, and the studies are pretty clear, jogging, recovery runs, the cadence, someone's cadence is actually gonna obviously be lower when they're doing a recovery run or a jog. Um, And again, the effort level is low. So I always tell people um, when they think about their runs um, and the effort level, and I use a lot of um, rate of perceived exertion when when I'm talking about what I want them to do during a certain run, so they can just use their perceived effort levels. Um, So when you have a low effort level, that cadence is going to be low. But again, the power you're pushing through your system is relatively low. Um, So we're not going to have the forces that can be as injurious as when we have those those higher efforts. Um, When I have somebody, when I'm looking at somebody's cadence, I have them at a a moderate effort level. So maybe like a five or six. Um, And when I have them practice, I, I do have them practice at an effort level that is above a jog. I have them at a, again a moderate effort level, so that when we're retraining cadence, we're also doing it in an environment where they're pushing uh, they're pushing some power um, through their system, and so that we can see if we can change either their efficiency issues or their injury um, their perceived injury levels or, or pain levels with that. So yes, when you jog when you're having a recovery run, I, I wouldn't worry so much about your 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 cadence. It's going to be lower, and that's natural. That's 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 normal.
0: Uh, so, and just to clarify for those that aren't as familiar with rating of perceived exertion or RPE, um, I usually term five or six as like your conversational pace. Is that kind of what you would, you would say?
1: Yeah, I, I usually say like a breathless conversation. So <laughs> I, that's, that's kind of, that's exactly what it is.
0: Uh-huh. Okay. Yeah, Very exactly. Good. And then let's say, okay, um, the, the, the folks that are, um, at a low cadence. Their cadence is like 160, let's say. If they're constantly at that 160 or even under, is there a detriment? Is there um, a negative side to, to not having a, a faster cadence? Is there a potential for injury or anything it can lead to?
1: Yeah, yeah, and and so um, I and going back to Brian Hyder'site study. So it's not it's it's interesting. It's not the cadence itself. Obviously, that is the the true um, uh, the true mark of injury or the true force that's causing the problem. But it's what happened. So if someone is mas- making less contact with the ground, so they're they're taking bigger steps. They're either a going up and down a whole lot. So they're, they're having a lot of bounciness to their gait. And if you think about it, every time you land from a, from a high point, so say you're going up and down and up and down. So within a minute's time, you're probably making 160 or 150 um, contact times with your, with your feet, your cadence is low. Um, you're using a lot of force each time you come down on that one leg, and that's usually what's causing injury. So it's excessive energy expenditure. So going up and down too much, or landing with a lot of impact. Um, also another thing that can happen, so if you're taking fewer steps within a time, you can also be overstriding, and that's where you're extending your leg out in front of your body so that when you land, the impact forces go up your leg and that causes injury. So we see these, mo- these movement patterns, we see these, these errors. So either being too bouncy up and down or being too aggressive with landing with the leg out in front of you when we have those lower cadence marks. So they're kind of, they're kind of like a telltale um, with some runners with that. And that's where the injury comes from.
0: And have you seen um, Garmin? I, I know did. And Sunto I believe um, even some of the Coros, um, if you have the, the pod to go with it, um, it gives us the measurement of vertical oscillation, um, which I think is the bounciness, right? Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> so um Is there, and I don't know how familiar you are with it, is there a metric that we should be looking for, um, with vertical oscillation?
1: Uh, JJ Sherry defined optimal vertical displacement oscillation around four to six centimeters, um, which is not a lot, uh, in most, in most parameters. I, I wouldn't, you know, as a recreational runner, as a runner reading your metric, I wouldn't worry so much about that. Um, because, I mean, obviously it depends on what surfaces and and how fresh your legs are and, and some different things with that. But um, the cadence can be a little bit of a tell about how much up and down movement that you're having. But yeah, four to six centimeters is, is where it's quoted with, with Jay Sherry's work okay. on that. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Well,
0: I, I know, you know, it's, the watches provide so much feedback. And I think as runners, we get so hung up in a lot of these different metrics um, you know, it, it, like the watch is like your VO two has declined and, you know, everybody's <laughs> like, Oh my God, you know, like, and the watch can't really determine VO two max, um, you know, accurately. So I, I try to tell my runners just relax, you know, and, and like, you know, it, it, you, they'll go for a run and the watch will tell them that was unproductive. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm, sure, I'm sure everybody has seen that, that message. So <laughs> take everything that the, the watch is providing with a grain of salt.
1: <laughs> right, right. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> um,
0: so um, let's talk a little bit about um, the arms um, and arm swing. Can arm swing help in, in helping um, uh, increase cadence?
1: Yeah. Um, so one thing that's always good to think about with the arms what your upper body is doing is what also your lower body is doing. Um, we work, it's called reciprocal gait. So we work in a pattern where, um, the opposite and leg advance at the same time. Um, and that's actually by mechanically, that's, that's one of the ways of our, it's called a sling system. That's one of the ways that we kind of advance our running through our elastic tissues. Um, so the more that your arms are moving, so the more range that your arms are moving back and forth, the more range that your legs are moving back and forth. So you'll see, obviously with, um, with sprinting and things like that, you're going to have more arm movement with jogging. You're going to have less arm movement. Um, so I, I, don't tend to use arm cues, um, for cadence, um, But it is one thing to use armed cues if someone is having um, a lot of rotation through their system. So some people are using a lot of upper body rotation way too much for what their speed is. And it's causing a lot of rotational issues down below. So um, and when someone's practicing cadence work. Um, if they feel like they're having a hard time syncing up their, their arm movements, or um, they're having way too much motion up top, they may be used to really swinging their arms excessively. Um, so they can quiet the arm motion down just a little bit, bring it a little bit tighter into the chest. Because um, again, if you're taking shorter steps, you're going to be having shorter times in rotation with your body. So they can tighten up the, the arm position a little bit if they feel like it's awkward. Um, but I don't, I don't usually run into that too much with, with cadence training. Okay. Mm-hmm. Great.
0: Um, let's talk about height for a minute. Um, mm-hmm. does somebody's height, um, impact their cadence? Um, how, you know, being how short or tall the person is, can that affect
1: somebody's cadence? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So, um, the taller somebody is, uh, the the lower their cadence is going to be naturally. Um, So, there's a couple of different studies. Um, One actually came from a group of elites that were in a a competitive hundred k, and they found that actually for every inch of height that a runner had, that they may even be three steps per minute lower. Um, than their counterpart. So um, that's something to definitely take into account. So if I have um, a runner that is 6'5 and they're running at 168 steps per minute, I might not see any of those issues with overstriding or excessive bounciness. I might not see what we call kinematic errors, um, which are responsible for injury. Um, so that might be something that's perfectly reasonable. They might have really healthy mechanics, um, again, at that 168 turnover. Um, versus maybe their counterpart that's five, six. Um, so that's, that's one thing to, to note, is height is one of those things that we see. And they've seen that in studies with elites, and they've also seen that with studies with um, high school runners. Um, so, you know, the, the taller your runner is, if you're working with a runner, or, you know, you are a runner and you're, you're, you're very tall, um, give yourself a little bit of grace with your cadence. You might not have any problems with cadence, um, even if they might be a little bit lower than, say, your running buddy that's running beside you that might be a little bit shorter.
0: And do we have a an estimate as to what height that begins to take change? You know, so like, let's say at 6'2", you're probably starting to decrease your cadence. Is there any type of chart or reference that, you know, that, that we can look at to, to know if, you know, based on height, your cadence should probably slow down by X amount?
1: Yeah, you know, it's um, kind of a great question. I think they're really just delving into um what are trying to sift through with the research recently about how to sift out that 180 and what does that really mean when we're looking at individual runners so i don't think a chart like that exists um that study that was i was talking about that was in 20 yeah that was in 2019 that was relatively recently and that's when they just started kind of looking at some of those individual differences with, um, with runners in, in height and height and, and elite. So I don't think there's you know so much a chart. And again, it's so individual. I mean, I've had runners come in here that are six plus feet and 190 steps per minute. And that's just what they naturally do. Um, there's also really good evidence the more experienced the runner is, the higher their cadence tends to be. Um, and that's true also with younger runners, um, high school and, and middle school. So the more experience under someone's belt, they tend to dial into a, a higher natural cadence um, and i think that also helps with with injury rates when we see that between novice runners runners that just have started and runners that are more experienced um so i think with all this you just take it with a little grain of salt um you know so if you're a taller runner you have a little lower cadence you feel great you're not having any problems i wouldn't read too much into it but then i also wouldn't freak out if you have 198 steps per minute and. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, you're six, five. So,
0: right. Right. Um, I I guess, um, we could also say like, um, what do you prescribe? And we've, we've talked about in previous podcasts, but for those that haven't heard those, what do you typically try to improve by? Like, so if somebody has a lower cadence, what percentage do you tell them we're going to try to improve by X amount? What would that X be?
1: Yeah. Um, so I tend to glean it from a study that had a little bit of a, a moderation on, on, uh, research where he was increasing people by five and 10%, um, for their cadence. And, and in that study, they found when they, when they hit the 10% mark, um, we really had a lot more glute activity. We had a lot more glute firing in that activity. We actually had changes in both the knee and the hip, Um, So there were a a lot of more significant changes when they would improve somebody's cadence by 10%. Um, But when you're working with real world changes, 10% can feel like a lot. And so there were some studies that came out that said maybe 7% was a little bit more um, gracious. Uh, And so I tend to do the 7%. But again, when you're doing your own like math at home, sometimes it's easier to do 5%. Um, the big thing is that when you start doing any kind of change to increase, you're, you're changing the motor pattern that's causing the problem. So, again, whether you're too bouncy or having too much motion up and down or you're striding out too long, uh, any change in that cadence is going to change that pattern a little bit. Um, so I would say if you're at home doing it by yourself, uh, maybe 5% would be the easiest thing to start with. Um, When I have people in the clinic here, I usually I usually do 7%. Um, I find that works out pretty well. Um, But again, I'm the one doing, you know, their calculations for them. I'm counting their cadence. I'm taking different samples. Um, So um, they have a little bit more help when they're in here. Uh, So but I think if you're at home and you want to play around with this, and this is for somebody, I would say like you're a runner, you've been experiencing just nagging knee pain or shin splints, or um, you feel beat up after, you know, a, a run out on the road. Um, things that just don't feel quite right, like your body isn't recovering well. Um, you could definitely have some of these issues where you're having increased forces for whatever reason. Again, the high, the, you know, the more bounciness to your gait or overstriding. Um, increasing your cadence is a great drill to try um, because we know from the research it does decrease forces and can help with efficiency. The biggest thing is when you go out there and, and, you, and you do these, these trials or you do these runs where you're changing your cadence that you don't speed up. Um, so if I was going to go do that and I run a nine minute mile uh, for three miles. Um, I would put on my little metronome. I would bump up my cadence. You know, I would, I would count my cadence out initially and then I would bump it up about 5%. And I'd listen to my metronome and I'd match my footsteps to the beat of the metronome. And I would keep at my nine minute mile pace um, for those three miles, or I would keep my effort level moderate. You know, so either whether you're using effort levels or you're using you know, your watch, the biggest thing is to keep your pace constant. And that is what changes the way that we move um, because we're forcing ourselves into a different pattern. So that's, that's the biggest thing when you start improving or changing your cadence. And you wanna say, you know, how did my knees feel after that run? How did my shins feel after that run? Um, do I feel like I'm a little bit more recovered? Does that feel easier? Um, so those are the big things we wanna ask ourselves um, you know, when we start doing uh, cadence training.
0: Excellent, yeah, that answered another one of my questions. Um, do you see any other um, typical errors aside from speeding up? Are there, are there any other things that you see?
1: Um, yeah, we brought this up before. The, the two biggest things is when you first start doing it. So the, the exact protocol for doing any kind of gate retraining. So when you're trying something different, um, you want to give yourself at least eight runs to try it. Okay, it takes about eight runs to ingrain a new motor pattern. That t- means it, it for you to start adopting an easier way of moving or a different way of moving, it takes eight runs. Um, and they, that's pretty well proven in the research. Uh, so I you know, don't try to go out there and just do it once or twice and think you got it and then go off with a group of friends and, and go for a run. You're probably going to go right back to your old patterns. Um, so you want to be, you know, ideally by yourself so you can concentrate. Uh, I would use the metronome beep. So whether it's from like a a little clip on metronome that you get on Amazon or it's a metronome app, Um, there's also another app called Run Cadence. Um, But you wanna hear that really irritating beep. Uh, And that's what you want to sync your footsteps to, um, the little beep while you're running because it's a very strong feedback system. Um, when you start listening to music that you're trying that you that you've set to the right cadence, um, it, it's it's a little more cluttered. I think it's a little bit harder for um, you to pick up when you're first starting. I mean, that's something you can do a little bit later, um, but I would le- listen first again to that really annoying beep 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 beep. You know, whatever whatever cadence you set it on, and then it takes about eight sessions. So really dedicate eight small runs um, by yourself to really start to feel what that feels like. And ideally, what you're going to start to perceive is the feet are going to be coming back underneath you quicker. And that's the entire point is that when you land that lower leg is going to be in a better position underneath you and that will mitigate forces. And so that's the the big point of that. Um, Also, research says, even though it's more efficient to have a little bit of a higher cadence, especially if you do overstride or have some of those other issues, mentally, it's going to feel harder for the first month. Um, It's because you have more cognitive loading. So because you're thinking about things, they're going to feel a little bit harder, but it's not actually oxygen consumption. It's not actually what we think of as using too much energy. It's just because cognitively, it feels a little bit more difficult Um, and that's natural. And that effect tends to wear off after about a month. So I like to tell people that also.
0: Great. Um, Are there any drills you suggest that can help us improve cadence?
1: Yeah. Yeah. So again, the big thing with cadence is that the feet are coming underneath you quicker um, and landing underneath your body. Uh, Sometimes just to get the feeling of what it's like to have feet rotate underneath you quickly, I'll have somebody kind of perch on a light hill, like maybe in their neighborhood or something like that. And I have them gently lean into the hill and I tell them to cycle their feet as quickly as they can underneath them as they glide down the hill. Um, and that just gets the feeling of turnover to feel a little bit better to them, having that quicker turnover. Um, so that's one drill that they can do to, to feel the legs coming underneath them a little bit sooner. Um, it's not that's not how we would do their cadence training, but that's one way that they I can have them feel what it's like for their legs to move a little bit quicker underneath them. Um, I, and I do have some other things I do in the clinic. They're kind of hard to describe, um, over zoom, but I do have some other techniques because not everybody gets the drill, um, immediately the first or second time. Sometimes it can feel a little awkward. So I do some other things where I kind of change the environment to, to force them to pull themselves underneath them a little bit better. Um, but the, the downhill, the, um, the downhill little glides, I think are nice to do.
0: Nice. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Um, any other uh resources or articles, videos, maybe even some that you have that uh we could you know cue some people into. Um uh, yeah, whatever. yeah.
1: I have um on my YouTube channel, I have um three form drills that are on there and the cadence is on there and it shows um uh my friend was on there uh, she's on the all three videos and it shows how she's on a treadmill she puts on her metronome she's matching the beat um and having you know a nice tall posture um there's also one about arm swing on there too um, but that's a, a really easy one to do. Um, anything that Jay DeSherry puts out is great um, on on YouTube. He probably has some some. bits. it's very simple to do. But I definitely have one on my on my YouTube channel. Uh, it's a it's a, a three form drills on there, and the metronome is on one of them. Okay, so yeah.
0: I'll put that onto the show notes, um, and, and I'll see if I can find anything from um, DeSherry and and add that as well. Uh, anything we missed or remiss to say?
1: No, that's it. Um, I just would say, you know, don't, don't, you know, stress out too much about cadence, but it's a great, it's a great first step to try again if you're having some issues with knee pain, shin pain, um, or you're feeling that you're, you're feeling a little bit beat up or working too hard with your running, then you really should have to. Um, It's great to try to practice again on a level surface, to practice um, with a clear metronome beep. Um, looking at a 5% increase and keeping your speed constant and only moderate. So not, not doing speed work with it. Um, so it's a really easy thing to do. Um, but again, feel free to reach out if anyone has any questions.
0: And how can they do that?
1: Yeah. Uh, so I have a website uh, that is the Uh My phone number's on there. My email is on there. runnersmechanic at gmail.com. Uh, so feel free to reach out through, to me through the website. Um, I'm always happy to answer questions. Um, and there's also a free, uh, 15 minute consult appointments. So if someone just wants to chat and, and kind of tell me what's going on with them, I can give them a little bit more guidance during those 15 minute consultations. So fantastic. Um, yeah.
0: Thank you so much, Miriam. Thanks for sharing once again and, uh, and giving us an education on, on the cadence and, and hopefully we can, we can all improve and, and stay healthy. So thank you. <laughs>
1: Thank you, Aaron. Thanks for
0: having me on. As always, I thank you, Miriam, for you, for you and your knowledge, for sharing your knowledge, for everything. And once again, congrats on the shut-in. It was fantastic. Love seeing her husband out there. Uh, her husband's my good friend, David Workman. And uh, David took eighth overall. Uh, tremendous effort there. Uh, man, it, it was a busy weekend this past weekend. Um, Personally, in the athletes I coach, I had five running 100-milers, two running 50-mile, and five, I'm trying to think, five, six, six at the shut-in, and uh, uh, two marathoning. I mean, (laughs) it's just a busy weekend, super busy weekend. Um, Super excited for the fall here. It's fun watching everybody. Um, some great races going on. I hope you have had a great fall and, um, your running goes extremely well. Uh, I have been updating my YouTube channel on a daily basis, uh, with my training for, um, Bigfoot 200 and, uh, first up will be the Black Canyon 100K out in Arizona. So, um, doing a daily video, just kind of, uh, talking about my training, um, how things are going, you know, what, what's going on, um, you know sharing some tips uh talking about gear all that kind of stuff. So uh go over to my YouTube channel. It's just Aaron Saft. Um if you search for my channel. Uh also in the show notes. So check that out. Uh it's been been great. I've been really enjoying doing it. Uh new challenges <laughs> trying to edit video and uh and splice together video and stuff. So learning that process which is always interesting and uh but i'm enjoying it uh it's a a new you know media for me so expanding here um and you know i want to just take a quick moment to you guys to say thank you for you know downloading these episodes for listening uh for sharing if you feel somebody can um can benefit from any of these resources uh also want to remind you guys that uh uh this month if you would like to apply for the school uh, excuse me the shoe scholarship uh that please do send me a, a message if you are just uh, a little bit tight with finances here and need a new pair of shoes you know your your old pair are, are definitely dead and you are needing a new pair but the the budget's not there for it please send me a message um I I can't thank my Patreon supporters enough for helping me achieve this. And, and hopefully if you can swing it, you'll join me on Patreon and, and we can help others together. So, um, if you can help, please, uh, you know, click the Patreon link that's in the show notes or visit my website and, uh, and, and contribute to Patreon. Uh, it helps, uh, you know, me get a p- pair of shoes on a person's feet every month also helps me with all of the costs here. Um, editing and producing all of this stuff, all the content that I'm working on. So, um, I sincerely appreciate, uh, anybody that can help out. So thank you. Um, you know, it's, uh, it's November here. Uh, things are, are slowing down for some gearing up for others. Um, we have, uh, um, man, we have, you know, so much to look forward to in 2022, uh, my hopes that it's, uh, it's a great year for, for everybody. Um, lotteries are upon us. I know everybody's putting their names in. So, you know, fingers crossed for, for lotteries. And, man, I just uh, I hope everybody has a, a great rest of this year and looks forward to next year. And uh, I will probably catch up with you guys on the next episode next week. Until then, keep running, my friends.